Hey, Sensei, would you tell me again the name of our sponsor? Thank you for asking. It's Honor Athletics and Martial Arts Supply. Cynthia, owner and manager. You know how you always get lost in the shuffle of a big business? Do I ever? It's comforting to know that in a family-owned business like Honor Athletics, your questions will be answered. So give them a call at 770-945-5150 or order on the web at honorathletics.com. And don't forget to mention Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi and welcome back. I'm still Sensei Michelle Darbro. <laughs> I'm still Landon. And I'm still Sensei Jackie. <laughs> oh my God, we're sick. And today our guest is also a Sensei, Sensei Andrew Proctor. Hi. He's a Renshi in Goju Federation Karate. Renshi is a Japanese term for a polished or a refined teacher, a title given a fourth degree black belt in our style. He's also a timpanist, which I'm going with is a percussion instrument. That's right. For the Palm Beach Opera and the Atlantic Classical Orchestra. He also plays for Andrea Buccelli when he is in town. He's been into percussion instruments for over 40 years and comes from a musical family. So he'll be bringing some new and different ideas and viewpoints to our conversation today. Welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So today our show is about history part two, Karate Comes to America. From the first history part, I decided to jump to the point where martial arts actually came to America, thinking that that would be an area where people would really be interested in what happened. I really enjoyed learning the different dates, and I found out that the oral traditions that I was told are mostly true, which is really nice to know. I mean, obviously, I trusted my sources, and before Google, nobody even argued about things. Right. But it was really nice to see that, for the most part, those oral traditions, unlike the telephone game... Yep. Hadn't changed over from generation to generation. I thought that was cool. You know what I mean? That yeah. is very cool. Also, I got to get a lot more information and fill in a lot of blank spots. Okay, let's jump right in. 90% of the information is from the Traditions book, which in case you missed the last podcast is called... The Original Martial Arts Encyclopedia, Tradition, History, and Pioneers. That title is a little different from my title, even though I know it's the same authors because I'm looking right at it and we compare the books all the time. That's so, so cool to me. The other 10% is just from my personal memories. The first art form to come to America was judo at the turn of the century as the 1800s were becoming the 1900s. President Grant, while traveling in Japan, saw Jigoro Kano in 1879. Then through an unusual series of events, and you should totally Google that if you want to hear the series of events, that includes a senator's wife, Senator Lee, a teacher named Yamashita came to America and started the first woman's judo club, which right there we have women in karate, so we'll have to bring that one up. Okay. Mrs. Lee and a group of her friends were the people in training. And then Mrs. Lee told Teddy Roosevelt about it, and he began training with Yamashita and stayed training all the way to Brown Belt, which that's kind of cool. That is cool. Very interesting. Sensei Yamashita died in 1935. Kung Fu came to America with the Chinese labor force that built the railroads in the Northwest in the mid-1800s with a big boost in the 1860s because they were building the Central Pacific Railroad. A little aside, according to the traditions book, within the labor camps, gangs rose up to control gambling, prostitution, and etc., these gangs trained in Kung Fu and also used meat cleavers as weapons. 
So that's why they became known as hatchet men. Some of you old timers who listen to this might remember that term being used. This culture of self-policing continued until the 1930s. I totally heard the term hatchet men before, haven't you guys? Yeah, I had no idea it had anything to do with kung fu. Or meat cleavers. Yeah, meat cleavers. (laughs) Or any kind of martial arts. I really had no idea. That is so cool. Yeah, I I never... I just thought it was like a gangster term for the guy who lowered the hatchet on you. I agree. Exactly. Me too. I agree. This is totally neat. because This is according to the traditions book, so if you're going to yell, yell at them, not me. Another creepy fact from the traditions book (laughs) is that the gangs used coins with sharpened edges as throwing weapons. Kind of like, I guess, our uh, throwing stars today. Definitely. I always thought that was a ninja trick. And yet, according to the traditions book, which is where I took this information, because I really didn't know about which styles came when, that was one of the things they did. They sharpened the edges of the coins. But I'm, I'm sure that that was based on something that, that had happened over East, and they just didn't have the materials to make their own stars, so they modified what they had, which, frankly, is pretty smart. It is. We'll have to remember that during the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu training stayed within the Chinese community until the mid-1950s, which is just amazing to me that it stayed so late. Kung Fu stayed in, from the 1850s to the 1950s. 50s. It was never taught to any, never left the Chinese area. Well, that was the whole Bruce Lee's story, was that he got in big trouble for teaching to non-Asians. That's right. And in 1957, a man named Tin Chan Lee started a Kung Fu school open for non-Asians but in Hawaii. Then in 1964, in L.A., a school opened for non-Asians. Like Kung Fu, karate came to the Hawaiian Islands before the mainland. In 1827, Kensu Yabu did a demo of Shurite in Honolulu. And in 1934, Chojin Miyagi, the founder of Goju-ru, was invited to Hawaii to teach. And he stayed, and he taught for about a year. So you get the trend. They entered into the islands, staying within the community, and finally opened up to the general population. Okay, Mr. Andrew, take oh, us home. And then we get to Kenpo. Kenpo, Kenpo, all the same word. <laughs> Apparently it's the same spelling. The kanji just pronounced in different ways. But back to Kenpo. The Traditions Book says it is known as karate with Chinese influences. And it has its roots in Shaolin Kung Fu. Kenpo, or Kenpo, is said to mean first law. Ed Parker, American, inherited and propagated the style in the mainland USA. He's well known as one of the pioneers of propagating the martial arts in America. Side note, one of his most famous students, I think, was Elvis Presley. Agree. Yes. Master Collegian always refused to teach <laughs> on Elvis's birthday. On isn't Elvis's isn't that, birthday. Isn't that correct? That is correct. correct. And I, I think that's the beginning of January. January 8th, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not 100. Is it January 8th? I forget, but I did make a, uh, a Facebook post apologizing to Master Collegian that it was on a Wednesday night and we have class. <laughs> and I apologized that we were still going to have class. <laughs> that's uh, pretty funny. Good. Another heavy hitter, of course, and one of Peter Urban's main influences was Masutatsu Oyama. I always called him Masuyama. I always call him Masuyama, yes. but his actual name is Masutatsu. And isn't that a lot to say? Yes, I'm sure that... So we'll, from here Ma- on in, we're calling him Mas. Masuyama is a lot easier. He and I are close. <laughs> I don't think he'll mind. He started a branch of Kokushinkai in Hawaii in 1954. 
I did look Kai up in the dictionary, in the karate dictionary, K-A-I, to see if it had some meaning like ru or ju- uh, jitsu or do, and I, it didn't come up. Oh, so really? if you're listening to this podcast, let us know. <laughs> you know what K-A-I means, Kikushin Kai. I honestly, I, I didn't find it. You want to try to see what Google brings you while, we, while we're talking, Jack? I do. Okay. I also hope that somebody will tell the story of Masoyama and the bull. Oh. Well, you know, I haven't done this in years, but right after YouTube came to be, I did Google uh, Masoyama and the bull, and it did come up. Now, I don't think they've taken it down, and you can see him oh, that's a famous story. use his knife hand to hit a, a bull coming at him in the horn and break it off the bull's body. It is a famous story. I'm a little torn by it because I don't like the um, animal cruelty part of it. Different time, different environment. Exactly. And it's just a totally different setup. 1954, boy, that was a long time ago now, wasn't it? It was. Um, I have a definition of a kai. There's a number of meanings, including ocean, shell, restoration, and recovery. And if someone uses it as their last name, it means worth. But no. they're worth. I don't know how that fits. I don't either. Yeah, the martial arts uses of words can be very confusing. confusing. Agree. Okay. According to the traditions book, the first established karate school in, Maine, in the mainland USA was in 1946 with Robert Trias. And as it turns out, the people who wrote this book, they really like Robert Trias. And they really went to battle that he got credit for being the first established mainland school. Mm. He honed his style into shuriru. According to the Karate Dictionary, shuriru is a product of shurite and is named after the city where it originated. Sensei Trias also started the USKA. That was the United States Karate Association, which was the main association when I was a cute, that you would join in and get points for in competitions and so on and so forth. And he did that in 1948. There are a lot of notables here. So what we're going to do is we're going to split them up and talk about them. Why don't you start me out by talking about Ed Parker? Ed Parker, in 1954, started American Kempo Karate at Brigham Young University, opened a dojo in Hollywood, California in 1956, and taught many stars, including Elvis Presley. There you go. So we got our Elvis note in. Okay, go ahead. June Ri, Taekwondo. An American, Atlee Chittum, started studying with him in Korea, came home in 1955, and started teaching Taekwondo as a brown belt. A little side note. They only named it Taekwondo uh, a little earlier in that same year. And this uh, man, Chittum, brought Jun Ri to the United States in 1956. So even though um, Taekwondo, and we said this in the First History Podcast, has been around for a really long time, they, it didn't have an official name, and it was definitely not Taekwondo. It was not its official name until 55. According to the Traditions book... What did they call it before? I have no idea, because we've always called it Taekwondo. I looked, and I can't find any information on what they called it before. If you know, will you holler out and let me know? Okay, you want to take Shotokan and Don Nagel? The style Shotokan, Funakoshi's style, came to California in 1956. Don Nagel, he did Ishinru, started in Jacksonville, Florida, while Cecily Patterson started Wadaru. Wadaru is real big in Florida. It was it was the main style at U- University, the one in Gainesville, University, University of Florida. Florida. Mm-hmm. And they would hold a lot of um, open tournaments up that way, and we would drive up. 
in my sensei studied water root. And he went to University of Florida. That's right. Go Gators. <laughs> <laughs> A big shout out to your sensei, Master David Shop. We hope to have him on the show real soon. And that brings us to Peter Urban. He was up in Union City, New Jersey. And in 1959, he moved to the famous Chinatown Dojo on Canal Street in Manhattan. He had many notable students, other than Master Hess and Master Collegian, whom we know. Chuck Merriman, Al Gote, Frank Ruiz, who incidentally started Nisei Goju, uh, Bill LaCory, Aaron Banks, very famous fellow, Ron Van Cleef, also notable. Um, you can see him in all the movies of the 80s. Yeah. And, of course, Susan Murdoch. We'll have to look her up for the females. I'll make a note of that. Let's play a little game where we say Peter Urban facts, just things that we know about Peter Urban. Oh, I like Whether that. it makes the cut or not, it'll still be fun. How about we start out with, he was titled in Black Belt Magazine as the George Washington of karate because he was given credit for coming into the East Coast while Ed Parker was coming into the West Coast. They were happening... At similar times. I don't really want to say the same time because I wasn't there. And, of course, Robert Trias was going to Arizona. Ten years earlier. Ten years <laughs> Thank you, Encyclopedia. <laughs> Peter Urban was known for bringing the black gi to karate. Oh, that's a good one. And do you remember why he did that? Because he, when he and his followers, students walked in any place in a black gi with the white towel around their necks, which I believe he called the uh, goji tuxedo. Yes, I believe They so were too. intimidating. And also because black didn't show the dirt. Ah, clever. That's or right. blood. I'm looking it up, but I think his name was the American Lion. I'm not 100% sure what his name was, so We've if you can find it, find is it, it. On, is it on their webpage? Okay. Here, I did look it up. Master Peter Urban was known as the Lion, hmm. founder of USA Go Jew, bringing and, it to America. And if you've listened to the podcast at all, you know that in our style especially, and I think in many styles, your teacher gives you a karate name. Yes. In fact, tell us your name, Sensei Andrew. My name is the Volcano. Oh, nice. Wow. That's a good one. We've, we've already told ours out loud. I'm the Wildcat, and she's the Arctic Fox. She says it without the C, and I say it with the C. It's Arctic. It is Arctic. Yes, it's not Arctic. It's Arctic. Tell her. <laughs> he can. I'm his grandmother. <laughs> and, and you make the grilled cheese sandwiches. I'm not going to get involved. Okay. You're up, Landon. Well, I'm going to give the simple fact that um, Peter Urban started USA Goju Association, which I believe was where you started training. Yes, we all started in USAGA. Us. Before Master Collegian broke off into the Federation. That's true, which happened... At the turn of this last century, 1999 to 2000. Okay. Okay, how are we doing? Any other Peter Urban facts? Not right now. I don't think so. <laughs> and, and I will mention one other Goju person is a man named uh, Manny Saavedra. Mm -hmm. A shout out to Sensei Manny Saavedra, who started Sansei Goju and was also originally with Peter Urban. And Nisei Goju means second generation Goju. And so therefore Sansei means third generation Goju. Okay, finally to finish this portion of history out, the precursor to MMA was called full contact fighting. It's definitely worth researching if you're unfamiliar. In 1975, there was a full contact fight televised at the Thrilla in Manila bout that was Ali's, one of oh, really? Ali's most famous bouts. Hmm. This is according to the traditions book, guys, so you can look that one up and see. I'm sure it's out there on 
some form of internet availability, aren't you? Yes. Do you know who the fighters are? I do not know who the fighters were. Okay, frankly, that ought to keep everybody's Google fingers busy because we gave you a lot of information to get started, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> Our next plan is to start profiling some of the more famous people. We won't be sticking just to Goju people. We will be going all over the map. I'd like to do Funakoshi pretty early on. He is one of the first people to bring it out of the secretive world and into towns and cities way back before any of this ever was done. A huge, huge influence on us all. Wrote one of my favorite books, Karachido, My Way of Life. You should totally yes. look it up. And by the way, we'll give a shout out to Sensei Jim Harmon's book club if you're in Briar County, Florida. Just get in touch with one of us and we'll hook you up with them. It's not limited to black belts and it's not limited to goju people. Anybody can join in. They read karate books and talk about them. That's really cool, isn't it? Ah, that sounds like fun. By the way, a little shout out to Sensei Sherry. She was supposed to be here with us and now we miss her. Yes, we miss her. She's not feeling well. Because so. it was fun. It was definitely fun. Sensei Sherry, you'll have to come. On another note, we've given you plenty to Google today. So here's one more. I thought it would fit to add a shout out to Chuck Norris the famous karate TV and movie star of the 80s, who also has hundreds of jokes about him on the Internet. Last December, some of us recorded some of those jokes. Enjoy! Chuck Norris is so fast he can run around the world and punch himself in the back of the head. Chuck Norris makes onions cry. And Simon says, Chuck Norris tells Simon what to do. Chuck Norris is the reason why Waldo is hiding. Chuck Norris doesn't climb trees. He just pulls them down and walks on top of them. When Chuck Norris does a push-up, he isn't lifting himself up. He's pushing the earth down. When Chuck Norris falls in water, Chuck Norris doesn't get wet. Water gets Chuck Norris. Paper beats rock. Rock beats scissors. And scissors beats paper. But Chuck Norris beats all three at the same time. Chuck Norris can slam a revolving door. Hey. Do you want to complain about the jokes? Guess what? We've added another way for you to contact us. If you don't like to type or you don't have the time, please call this number and leave us a voicemail and we will read it out on the air. 954-350-1915. When you dial, you'll hear my voice and it'll say, don't be shy, leave a message. Tell us all about your thoughts on the podcast. Of course, you can go with the other ways, which are... Email us at dojoconversations at aol.com, on Facebook at Wildcat Dojo, and on our webpage at wildcatdojo.com. And a little plug, go and see the pictures that are on there. They're pretty cool. We're going to have a picture of Sensei Andrew up pretty soon. We'll see you next week. Oh. Say bye, guys. Bye. bye, guys. Bye. Don't forget to visit honorathletics.com. Type Wildcat Dojo in the coupon code.